chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Lord, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Mr. Matt Weber on the board on this somewhat icy morning. Wouldn't you say, Mitty? We made it in, though, eh? Yeah, it's toned down a little bit, but there's still plenty of ice out there. Uh, you you know, get the Zamboni out, as they say. A lot of good for the salt trucks, and uh, thank God for the salt trucks, eh? It wasn't for those guys. S&P futures down four, Dow futures up two, NASDAQ futures down 47. We come off kind of a crummy week, especially in the NASDAQ. We'll see what sort of happens this week, Matty. we got uh, CPI numbers, PPI numbers. Those are going to be big numbers this week. We've got the uh, NFL uh, finishing up yesterday with actually uh, several games that uh, meant something, eh? I mean, uh, they both were playing. Once the, uh, the guys from Indianapolis got clobbered from by... I don't, what was the, what was the line on that one? They couldn't have been. They had to be favored. They were heavily favored. Yeah, I, I don't know what the line was. I think it was something like thirteen or something like that. And they lost, and they got blown out the other way. That's uh, you know, pretty bizarre world, if you ask me. But the uh, of course nobody's asking us, are they? I mean, maybe they are somewhere, somewhere, someplace. Geez, what do those two guys think? But uh, what do you make of uh, the weather? Was horrendous. Uh, I keep looking, I keep observing what's going on with the, the COVID stuff, which I'm trying not to, alright, because it just seems to go on and on and on. But I, uh, one of, uh, well, <laughs> sort of hit close to home with one of, uh, Audrey's friends, her dad unfortunately passed away the other night, and of course he's, uh, in the hospital, he's got COVID, right? Well, they wouldn't let him out, they tried to get him home in hospice, and, it was an amazing struggle, even though he was in the hospice in there, so they knew that he's not coming out, right? And, uh, unfortunately, uh, he's in the hospital, and the lady's mom falls and breaks her hip, so they're both in the hospital, right? So my friend is going back and forth from mom to, uh, to mother, who's now, is operating now, she's in a rehab facility, but, because there's absolutely no barrier between the people who have COVID and don't. And, it's like everybody, I was listening to radio yesterday, drive around in the morning, somebody from, uh, I'm not going to name the hospital, but people who are clever enough can figure out which one. Evidently there's a murder suspect from Tinley Park or someplace, and the guy was sick and they bring him in the hospital, and I don't know what he had, but somehow or another, <laughs> he dies, and we talk about a Tinley Park hospital, and it turns out the guy's got, they claim he tested positive for COVID. And I'm thinking, are these guys absolutely, are they giving people COVID? What are they doing just so they can get a bonus on on public money? Man, there's so much stuff going around here, and then people are being banned from Twitter because they say something against the vaccines. And as you know, I'm not, I'm not against them. I just want people to be truthful. I got a thing in the mail, a thing, a message from my alderman, Michelle Smith. And this is, even, even if you're, you could be the biggest vaxxer in the world, and you got to be the biggest anything in the world. I mean, not good or bad. And uh, she sends out this missive, and it says, uh, you know, obviously we both live in... Are you still in Lincoln Park? What are you? I guess you are. Bucktown. 
You're Bucktown, all right. Well, you're only a mile away, so you're, you're, you're within disease throw, right? So she starts launching into this thing about how we were the most, Lincoln Park was the, the highest vaxxed area in the city, right? And we're, whatever we were up to, 80% or something or some number like that. Well, now we're the most uh, COVID-positive area in the city. And, and, the, and the solution is it's the, it's the 15 or 20 percent, or is there the problem? I mean, when, when is it going to dawn on somebody that the vaccines are doing nothing to stop the spread of this thing? I mean, how do you, how do you write that paragraph and say this is the problem, the other 20 percent? I mean, what are you out of your mind? Yep. I mean, you, you got to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no scientist here, but you got to ask the question. It, just, just tell people. <laughs> Get vaccines so you, it's probably going to be lighter when you do get it, if and when. And you also have to ask yourself, are the vaccines making it, I, I sure as hell hope that, that Carl's suspicion isn't right, the vaccines are making it easier to get it. It's screwing up your own, but the second time through, that more people are getting it that had vaccines that, that uh, were vaccinated than that. I, I hope that's wrong. But, you know, at some point here, when you look at the numbers, can't, don't you have to at least scratch your head and say, "Wow, this, this doesn't look right." I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm with you. To me, it's to me, it's common sense. It, this time around, people are getting it, and no one's getting sick anymore. So, to me, the vaccines are working in that regard. And uh, but the, this idea that that you're not going to get it because you're vaccinated—that's never been the case, and it's it's obviously not the case. So, why say that? And I don't know if anyone is saying that, but you're saying they are. Uh, yeah. All right. Enough of that. We'll talk more about that maybe when Jan's in because we have other crazy stuff to talk about. But take me through. Um, we're talking, by my calculation, we're five weeks of pitchers and catchers. I'm supposed to get on a spring train to see a client or two because I actually have a couple base baseball clients. Um, am I going? That sounds pretty good. I would go. Well, we haven't heard booze since everybody's locked out. Well, that's 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 the uh, the rub, I guess. Is uh, will well, there be a season <laughs> this year in Major League Baseball? Well, I mean, I think right now for me to you know book rooms for the first two weeks of spring training or any time in that period is kind of nuts. Well, you can still go down to Arizona and see your client and enjoy well, the warm he's, weather. Yeah, but he's not going to be there. He's, he's going to teach. He's helping his team with spring training. Okay, so he's not down in Arizona otherwise. No. Okay. Well, then, yeah, I you you probably can't book in advance then. And one one time I'm going to get to go visit a bunch of guys. He invited into the <clears throat> maybe inner circle. I don't know, or at least meet a couple of guys. And, and now they're going to cancel a damn thing on me. This blows. What's the latest you've read? I, 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 Lou and I told we talked about it last time Lou was on. He was on last week because we were off. But uh, he goes, they, they, I've not heard boo since the players have locked out. That's the last I've heard. But, you know, I just. I, I just wonder, Matty, when, when power and ego goes too far, because how much have these guys spent, well, how much do they spend on players, for one, some players, uh, you know, because most teams have, what, almost half the people are minimums, right? Uh, well, Cubs sure were. Yeah. But, but uh, some teams probably aren't. According to the commissioner, he say he says, I'd say an 85% chance the season starts on time, but it's really hard to gauge from where we sit today. Well, it's... All right. Didn't say anything about spring training. So, well, I mean, for the season to start on time, you'd have to have some spring training. Not six weeks. Maybe not six weeks, but you'd have to have some. All right. So you're telling me I should plan to go to last week in March. <laughs> That's probably your best bet. All right. Well, 
But I mean, these guys. I was looking at the facility where uh, this guy's team trains, and uh, they're up in Glendale, I think. And many of the 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 rehab and off season conditioning facilities and stuff that these guys are putting in these places, it's millions of dollars. So let me get this straight. I signed Matty Weber, and he's coming off arm surgery, and I'm going to lock the guy out of the rehab facilities after I just paid the bleep 15 million bucks? What, sen- what sense does it, does it make to lock people out of your rehab facilities? Yeah, I mean, but that's that's what a lockout is, right? They're, the, well, yeah. the, their collective bargaining agreement expired in December, and uh, supposedly this is going to speed up the negotiation process, but it, d- it doesn't always work that way. Um, maybe just pissing people off. Yeah, I think it could be just pissing people off. Well, but I mean, I, I, I mean, if I if I wasn't traded for you, knowing you had an arm issue, and I you know I just had Tommy John or some shoulder surgery, why would I ever screwing the deal up with you is going to be worse than uh, I could possibly save by the rest of this. What do you lay off all your doctors and all your people? Yeah, I don't know how that works, but it's not up to the, you know, the the one individual team. No, no. I, what I'm saying is, I, I guess it means your your people that you're training people at those facilities. Do you keep them, or do you do something really slimy and, and tell the government that you're uh, you don't want to lay them off, so you get the money from the government and pay them, even though they're sitting there with no, nothing to do, or <laughs> not pay them? I have. Sorry, what happened? What, what ended up, how did the football end up and? I went through the 12 tiebreakers, and I said, oh, Matt doesn't have to explain this all the way down. The tiebreakers for tying for the division, the tiebreakers for uh, a wild card position, the tiebreaker for the last wild card, and every one of them ended up with like a coin flip. But it was it was like uh, head-to-head competition. Uh, if that didn't work, then, then uh, common opponents and divisions. But <clears throat> it was about as most complicated. It was, it was almost like trying to run for president in a state or something. Yeah, well, we got our, our wild card weekend matchups, uh, which is this coming weekend, and of course they extended it now, so instead of it being, uh, two days, it's now three days. Um, so they have, uh, two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and then one game Monday night. So, uh, Las Vegas by winning last night against the Chargers is in, and they'll take on Cincinnati. Uh, the Patriots will take on the Bills, which is, uh, interesting, uh, because they're, you know, division uh, rivals. And they just played like a week ago. And they just played twice this season and, you know, once being just a couple weeks ago. Um, so they're playing for the third time and that's the night game on Saturday. But that'll be a really good matchup because those could be the two best teams in the AFC. It's too bad they're having to play right away. Then the Sunday games, the Eagles got in. They'll take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Niners got in because they stormed back from 17 down to win on the road at the Rams in overtime. That was a good game great game uh so they get in and they're at dallas and that's kind of rekindling an old rivalry from the 80s and 90s uh and then pittsburgh got in because they won in overtime on the road and they their reward is they get to go to kansas city and probably get blown out and then the monday night game is another division matchup which i think the nfl wants to avoid the division matchups in the first round when they can but they obviously couldn't so there's two of them um the uh, cardinals uh will take on the rams so uh that's uh that's your uh wild card and then just the number 1 seeds got buys. So uh Tennessee got a buy in the AFC and then uh, Green Bay got a buy in the NFC. If uh the Patriots would have won, they would have the same record as Tennessee. I think Tennessee had the tiebreaker somehow. Because they'd already clinched. I think, I think Tennessee finished with 12 wins and the Patriots only finished with 10. If 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 Tennessee would have lost and the Patriots would have won, uh, 
and Buffalo would have lost, then maybe there's a scenario where where New England has both tri- tiebreakers there. Okay. But they needed a lot of stuff to happen that didn't happen. All right, yeah, because there was somebody else that was, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago I read the the thing where if they somehow or another they held a high tiebreaker. I don't know. Yeah, don't and know Buffalo won the division because they won um, yesterday, so th- they get to host New England now. Because Were there any division the ties, or was it clear winners? Clear winners, uh, apparently. Buffalo won the AFC East. Well, that was it. Somebody already, somebody had the tiebreaker in a division if they both would have, because uh, New England was what? They were, uh, what was their, their record? I think they finished 10 and 7. And what, who was right behind them? Right behind them? In the division. Because they won their division, right? No, Buffalo won the division. Okay. Yeah, Buffalo and New England were both uh, 10 and 6, I believe, going into yesterday. If they both would have won, Buffalo had the tiebreaker, and so they would have won yeah, the division. Yeah, what was the tiebreaker? You know, out of the 12, which was the, you know, which one it was? I have no idea. What, I assume it was head-to-head margin of, I mean, they split their head-to-head, so then does it go to what, division record? Yeah, division record. Yeah. So it was already decided. So the only way New England could have won the division is if they would have won and Buffalo would have lost. And okay. since Buffalo won and they lost, uh, it was settled pretty easily. But um, if they both would have won, Buffalo still would have won the division. How come some uh, places, speaking of sports and COVID, have decided that the uh, thing you don't want to do is have concession stands? What does that got to do with the price of rice when you're sitting that close to people in the stadium? Makes no sense. But who who decided that they're not going to have concession stands? I was at the Bulls game. Uh, well, last they, they week didn't have any in Notre Dame. Everything Kevin was said open. They, they closed them in Notre Dame, evidently. Well, I've I've read an article, and this could be applied to Notre Dame. It has nothing to do with COVID. Well, I guess it does have something to do with COVID. Is uh, college arenas? Most of those uh, workers are volunteers at college arenas. Um, they they the 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 school partners with a like a vendor service or whatever that supplies most of the stuff but a lot of the workers there are are volunteers um or very low paid you know workers with these vendors and they're they can't get workers and so they're closing percentages of concession stands at a lot of these college uh, basketball arenas really they could just because they can't get workers that's why it has nothing to do with safety it's just they can't get enough workers and i, I read an article about that it's affecting a ton of college basketball schools because there was a lot of like retired older people that would serve hot dogs or serve you know work the concession at at a week weeknight basketball game. Right, so the coach is making three million a year, and and the, the people who serve hot dogs got to do it for free. Well, I don't know if they have to do it for free, but they they are or doing it for a very low low rate low rate according to what I read. That's special, isn't it? No, you you, sh- you should really volunteer. Here's your check, sir. Thank you. <laughs> What the, I, haven't even, I haven't even looked at college basketball. I mean, uh, I, but uh, Duke and somebody else, the number one, two and three teams both lost this weekend. That I saw. Or Duke lost and so did, was it Kentucky or somebody else? Not Kentucky. They can't be that high. It was somebody well, else. Baylor was number one. Yeah, it was the two teams after them both lost. I think. Okay, so it would be Duke was two and number three was Purdue, I think. Uh, I might not have, whatever. It was somebody, a couple, couple of high-end, high-end top ten teams both lost. It's uh some pretty good basketball around here. Maybe with football over, we could probably take a look. I wouldn't mind going to Loyola game this year. I'd love to go to Loyola game. Uh, DePaul is much improved under their first-year head coach, and, uh, and and they're playing good ball. Is there any parking down there? Let's, I went there once to see... Uh, I still haven't been to the arena. It's nice. Um, I heard it's really nice. It's, you know, it, it's about as nice of an arena and as many people as you can get on a very small footprint. Matter of fact, something like that could have been built on campus. Yeah, it's too bad they couldn't have done that in well, the neighborhood. They, they could have, but they, 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 you know, when it was, it's all about the 
money. Matter of fact, did you get a chance to look at this thing I sent you uh, yesterday about the uh, people are, are looking for $10 billion? Actually, i got to give Kevin no one to grief. I was... Uh, I was uh, talking, he was, I sent out an email last night regarding this as well. It's a CNBC article, so I will. Sports teams are investing $10 billion in stadiums by 2030. It's a guy by the name of Jabari Young. Um, good article. He's talking about how they are making, actually, they're going to be smaller than some of the other stadiums, but really zeroing in on the, well, he didn't say it, but on the, on the uh, business money, the skyboxes and all that kind of stuff and how, the latest is your sky back. Well, it's not the latest because actually Dallas has it. Uh, did you end up taking a tour of Dallas or not? No, I've never been to that stadium. Jill has been to that stadium a couple times. I never have. She's actually been on the field. Well, I've um, never, uh, never been. Well, we, I did the tour and the tour is pretty spectacular. Cause you know, you know what's weird about the place? You, you can't, you can't, uh, if, if you say your seat is in the, you know, whatever, the, the north end zone, you gotta go in that gate. Or you, you know, can't get to your seat. There's no place in the in the in the arena where you, where there's a concourse where you can say, "I don't care. I'll get in on this side and I'll just walk around." You you can't walk through the place, which I, I don't know, I've never seen before. I mean, uh, I remember that many places, but there's always a spot where if you can walk from left field to right field, right, sort of kind of in the back where the hot dog stands and stuff are. There isn't one there. Other than um, below the place. Below the place, there's this huge like road down there where trucks, semis, and stuff can drive in and service all the you know the the stuff to go into the booths. Because there's like there's like 300 skyboxes. Well, not all skyboxes, but private things. And the, and they have the one down on the on the uh, downstairs. You'll see if you ever see them like pan the uh, the sideline, you'll see like this. It looks like a dugout. What well, is a dugout? That that's your that your skybox is, is kind of below ground. You're down a couple steps. Oh, wow. And you go in there. And, but you have the people in that skybox probably have the first, if there's 20 people, they may have the first two rows uh, of 10 seats, and they have the first two rows. So you can walk from your first two rows down into the skybox, you know, drink and eat for two minutes and come back up to your seats. So it, what they're saying is in all these other stations, these new stadiums are thinking about doing that stuff, but... But these these are the teams, and uh, they think they uh, need one here. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. How old, how old is their place? It's got to be old. Um, I wouldn't know for sure, but I would say fifty years old. All right, they're they're looking for a one point three billion dollar National Football League stadium. The Bears are playing one ninety seven, and uh, I've got an ongoing thing going with Kevin regarding the Bears. I'm just saying, I love arguing with Kevin. It's always so much fun because. You, you, you jog him, and he goes out and buys, finds even more information, which we always can use on the show. Yeah, the B, the uh, Bill Stadium opened in 1973, so almost exactly 50 years, 49 years ago. Uh, FedEx Field is falling apart. Uh, you saw apart. that video, right, where the fans fell onto the tunnel, almost killing <laughs> Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, when he was walking into the locker room. Well, how old is that place? FedEx Field. Uh, it's, been, it's, it's way past, I mean, it's after RFK, it's certainly in my time. Yeah, uh, that one d- I don't think is as old. I'm going to say 25. Yeah, that one is uh, uh, 25 exactly. Yeah, 97. How do you how do you build a place that falls apart after 25 years? I mean, you, I guess you don't maintain it. I don't know what the hell. There's you, no reason we, that should be falling apart. How do you, you have to maintain steel and concrete? I mean, you, steel you got to paint once in a while, but concrete. What do you do? I mean? Anyway, uh, it says here the Royals, Oakland Athletics, and Tampa Bay Rays want new parks. Now the Royals was the. F- was the first one built by the people that built 
uh, Cleveland. All Sachs those cookie cutter Sachs. stadiums, yeah. Well, no, Sax Park isn't cookie cutter. It was. They well, they've re- they had to renovate it like twice since they <laughs> since they built it. Well, Cleveland it was there. They built that one. Yeah. What's the name of that outfit? They they they've been a, they did uh, they they collaborated on the one in Baltimore too. Kauffman Stadium, the the stadium the Royals uh, do. I don't think that was like built as some new stadium. I think they just renovated it. That, I, that stadium's fifty years old. It was built in nineteen seventy three. They just they they just like the Sox Park that was built in like nineteen ninety or whatever. They realized it was such a crappy version that they did the first time. They they spent a bunch of money renovating it. And yeah, but all all Sax Park did was take the top twenty rows of the upper deck and put a roof on it. The entire rest of it's the same. They painted all the seats a different color. They did a lot of things to to modernize it. Right, but I'm saying it it is it's the same footprint. They didn't, didn't tear any. It's it's the exact same footprint. Yeah, it's the same footprint. Same, same with Kansas City. I mean, you're not going to change the footprint, but they completely, you know, renovated the the, the, the stadium and. How old the sax is what? Thirty. I think uh, thirty. Yeah, it's born. It was open in what ninety. And the Cleveland was the year before. There's all. They all look. They all look. The now same. Cleveland. Cleveland Stadium w- was p- kind of pretty cool from the beginning. If you walk in, you'd swear you walk. It's the exact same pitch. The difference is the big. Uh, what's the uh, private club? Instead of being down uh, right field lines on the left field line, their their left field uh, seats go way up high. So sort of the Sox used to. In Cleveland, it goes really high. But I'm saying if, if you if you walk in and you yeah, look at Cleveland's the pitch, open in '94. If you look at the pitch and look at the way the way it's done and, the, and all angles of, of sight to the field, they're all exactly the same. They're the same people that built it. The, the people in uh, Kansas City they use the same template. The Kansas City one was built 20 some years. I'm, saying, before I'm that. saying the the people who built all these stadiums are an architectural firm out of Kansas City. Okay. Uh, and then and they were the architect. That's the big thing. If you go take the tour in uh, Baltimore, they hired the, the architectural team from Kansas City, and they was there was a group in, in Baltimore said we don't want it to look like everybody else's park. We wanted something different. So when you when you uh, some lady was a lady from Baltimore worked with the people in Kansas City, and but still, if you look at it, you'll see the. The field is kind of the same. The drainage is, is the same. Really good stuff, by the way. Your pitch and your seats is the same. Uh, the under, in, instead of being uh, mostly concrete, it's pretty much all steel, though. So it, it looks almost like Wrigley on the bottom because you'll see cross ties of beams and stuff. So it, so you, that one is appreciably different than the rest because the people in Baltimore had here serious input and wanted a, a retro stadium. But still, if you look at some features of it, you can see... I'll bet the bathrooms are the same, I mean, that kind of thing. Because you're not going to, you're not going to redo everything every time you pay, you know, that's your old plans are, are as good as the new plans, right? If you got a good bathroom, you use the same bathroom. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, but, uh, no, it's, I mean, uh, that's, there were a bunch that were kind of all the same. And none of those had, when you say, uh, cookie, they, none of those, I don't think, Kansas City never had football there, did they? I don't think any of them were. No, they're football stadiums across the street. Yeah, none of them. Or across the parking lot, actually. There, there's no, there's none left that had, except for, uh, Oakland. That had football and baseball still in them, right? Right, and uh, Oakland is another old stadium that's been falling apart for years. Oh yeah, and Tampa Bay Rays. Well, Tampa and Bay that one's just a dump. Yeah, but that was a dump the day it opened. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking with that one in Tampa Bay. So they're saying the LA Clippers are starting to build. I thought they played in the they share they've shared the arena with the Lakers forever in downtown LA at Staples Center that recently changed to a different name. Yeah. Um, 
and apparently they they want their own arena, so they're building their own arena now. I don't know where it's at. I'll have to look. But how does a, how does a basketball place cost one point two billion? They don't miss what the football ones are going for. No, the football ones are like four times that, Chief. Well, the uh, LA football stadium was five. Well, Buffalo billion. thinks they can put one up for one point three. Well, that, their prices are different in Buffalo than LA. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, in LA the SoFi Stadium was five bill. What well, I thought the one I, I drove by it. I mean, I didn't go in and tour it. I drove by the one in uh, Nashville. Yeah, I've driven by that one too. And that thing uh, for six hundred and some million looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a sort of a standard nice football stadium, and they they have a, a bowl game there every year, a college football bowl game. They were the same time as uh, Soldier Field, and they built it, it. It actually seems very similar to Soldier Field. Oh, it's a lot nicer. I don't. I mean, I I I bet it's when you're in your seat, it's probably the exact same. Well, that could be. But I'm saying at the it's like the cookie cutter low end football stadium. But they did it for uh, virtually half the money, or two thirds of the dollar. Soldier Field looks a lot nicer. They had to buy. I think that included land costs, but I'm not positive on that. But uh, anyway, they're all they're all looking for, for these venue upgrades in the. Uh, you know, it, it, so so Kevin before. Uh, we don't have much time, but I'll, I'll the uh, Clippers Arena, by the way, will will be in Inglewood as well, which is where the well, where's uh, Inglewood? I'm not a big LA. It's kind of right by LAX. It's it's. Right. Uh, I think the airport is is either right in Inglewood or you go through it because I remember every time I go to LA, you always kind of go through Inglewood and you see where the old Great Western Forum was, and that's and that the new football stadium is Great Western Forum. I don't remember that. That's where Magic Johnson and the Showtime Lakers played. Okay, the, the, the forum. Oh, now it's the Great. I mean the Forum. All right. Yeah. Um, the Western Forum is what it was called. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, the SoFi Stadium's there. That's apparently where the Clippers Arena will be as well. The thing I remember about the, uh, Forum was A, those guys playing there, and B, uh, Phil Jackson's, uh, wife, when she, before she became the executive, she was a Playboy bunny. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Buss's daughter. And she did an amazing, uh, I'll use, I'll use the word two ways. She did the amazing spread in the Forum, shall we say. <laughs> It was, it was quite the photo shoot, but now you know what? It's totally scrubbed from the internet, Betty, because I, somehow or other somebody got it out of the out of the internet. S P futures down fourteen, going down again today. Nasdaq futures down one hundred three. We go through the economic calendar. We come back talk about all the stuff that's going on this week. Crazy stuff. We'll be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck, get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. 
You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. This is Brett Weber. The board SP futures now on 22. We're uh, spanking here a little bit, man. NASDAQ futures down 148. Dow futures down 41. Uh, individual stock, the Dow has held up a hell of a lot more than anything else. Goldman Sachs up 250 today. It's helping the, the Dow hang in there. Over in Europe, we've got DAX down 60.4%, FTSE down 9.1%, CAC around down 45.6%. Uh, so kind of choppy over there. Asia, Nikkei down, uh, down 9. Um, it's, uh, well, it's not even a percent, so call that flat. Shanghai up 13. Uh, it's 0.4 percent. Hang Seng up 253. Uh, that's a that's a full percent. Um, but South 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 Korean shares are way down. So remember, it's kind of crazy. A mixed bag over in uh, Asia. Uh, bonds unchanged at 1.77. The bond minus 0.05. So they're really making a move towards uh toward being positive here. Again, their inflation rate supposedly is worse than ours, which puts you know, the real rate of interest is ridiculously negative. I don't know how they get away with that. Japan, get a little of this, positive 0.13. We've been, we've been hacking around at positive 0.05 for so long now it's positive 0.13. Uh, as a way of review, on Friday, Dow was down 4, S&P was down 19, NASDAQ was down 144. Again, we had a dip right on the close, as we have had. Uh, so that kind of gives you a clue sometimes. You're not seeing much mutual fund buying, or else you wouldn't be selling off on the close. Uh, oil. Down 55 cents, now back under 80. 78.35. Brent down 48 cents, 81.27. Natural gas up 19 cents to 411. It's probably because it's a little chilly around the country. Our uh, Bob unchanged at 229. However, Maddie, I'm going to say gas was up 10%. I got gas last week 307. 
Yesterday I was 341. That sucks. Just saying. Uh, gold. Up a dollar fifty, seventeen ninety eight, trying to get back over eighteen hundred. Really has a tough time staying over eighteen hundred, even though all the pundits now are saying twenty one hundred by the end of the year. And eh. their lips to God's ear, but I don't I don't know if that's gonna happen. Silver up a penny, twenty two forty two, copper unchanged at four forty, and we got Bitcoin down again, twelve hundred bucks, forty one thousand two seventy five. As it keeps leaking a little bit. Maddie, we got force traffic weather sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a great start on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways here on a Monday morning. No issues at all on the Edens, Kennedy, Eisenhower, Stevenson, all quiet. Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford looking good. Same for Lakeshore Drive. Out in the suburbs, uh, looking good, too. It looks like there's some flashing uh, traffic lights at US-30, uh, right at Ogden Falls Boulevard. This is way out west. Uh, so uh, that's... Uh, causing some confusion and then uh, down on the south side 119th street between vincennes and division street is closed due to a stalled semi uh, with uh, crews working to get that cleared up but everything else all quiet out there weather today another cold blustery day overcast skies some flurries but not expecting any snow accumulation a high of just 16 right now it's cloudy and 15 and we'll kind of hang around right here in the mid-teens with wind chills down around uh, zero or a few degrees above uh, for today. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 73. Right now it's clear and 50. In sports, the Bears wrap up the 21-22 campaign, uh, losing at Minnesota to the Vikings 31-17. Bears dominated about 75% of this game and then all of a sudden just completely fell apart in the uh, final quarter and a half and end up losing by two touchdowns to the lowly Vikings. Bears finish at 6-11. And we'll find out uh, what changes are are coming, I guess, this week with the uh, general manager, the coach, the assistant coaches, so on and so forth. Plus, they have half their team now as unrestricted free agents. Uh, so we'll see who comes back and, and who is gone. Who can who can make the escape? They're going to be happy as a clam. Yeah, a lot of them probably will be. Arizona Cardinals finished their season at 11 and six. They were 10 and two and the number one seed. And then went one and four down the stretch. Uh, still make the playoffs, but they lost to the Seahawks 38 to 30. And so the Cardinals will squeak in and then they'll have a division. How did the matchup. Bears beat the Seahawks? Or the Bears didn't beat them. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did at Seattle. How did, how did, how does a team heading for the, of course they had nothing really to play for today. Yeah, the Seahawks, uh. No, I mean the, uh, the, the Cardinals. Well, the Cardinals were playing for seeding. Um, they were in the playoffs for sure, yeah. but they were playing for seeding. So they had much, much more to play for than Seattle did. Seattle had nothing to play for. Uh, and Seattle beat the Cardinals 38-30. Uh, Cardinals will play the Rams on Monday night in the, the wild card round of the playoffs next week. Sunday night football, it was a play-in game for the Raiders and the Chargers, and it saw Las Vegas outlast the LA Chargers 35-32 in overtime. So the Raiders advance and the Chargers are out. NBA basketball, Bulls had their nine-game winning streak snapped last night. They lost down in Dallas, 113-99. And in college hoops, Northwestern lost at Ohio State, 95-87. Chief. The, uh, hey, Jan, how are you? I'm good, Tom. How about you? I'm doing all right. I managed to step right on the ice, even though I was fighting it all day yesterday. Yeah, wasn't that a feat? <laughs> God. Uh, I don't think we bounce so good anymore, either, you know. No, I don't bounce at all, Tom. I, where I fall, I stay. <laughs> Uh, they're not going to do anything like really, really stupid, Maddie, and have a team playing next Monday night having the potential to play on that Saturday, are they? 
I, w- I would hope not, but uh, I wouldn't put anything past uh, <laughs> the NFL. It's all money, bud. It's all yeah. money. Just remember, it's the it's the god of the cash, casharoo. Um, hey, I got a uh, Kevin and I because I, was, I figured uh, I'm sure John has already lined up solidly with Kevin on this one. You know, those conservative guys tend, tend to do that, but uh, he was talking about um, that they're going to give the, the Bears are, gonna, are looking to get a casino in the stadium, right? As part of the deal, because I sent him this article regarding uh, people looking for new stadiums, and kind of one of my so I so I immediately said to him uh, via email, I said, you know, you can take the guy out of Cook County, but you can't take Cook County out of the guy that he's really a a politician should be a, a Cook County politician, and he's jealous he's not. So we'll see how Kevin comes back from that. But the uh, I've always one of, one of one of my many pet peeves. Uh, and there's a lot of them. I know you have too. Uh, one of them is, and I love arguing with you about it, is you almost can't sell a piece of property in Chicago because you don't know what in God's name you're selling. Because the rules to you might be totally different than the rules to the next guy. And I, and I, somehow or another, I, I, I cannot get myself. I cannot get my hands around the balance here. You can't. You can't have no change, no progress. Um, I get that. But I also know every real estate transaction can't be two people sipping on, uh, standing on, on shades of sand and you never know what you're selling to who and what they can do with it versus what you can do with it if they pay off the right guy. Somehow, someplace, I think this whole area has never been on the right ground there and I don't know how to get there. It just bothers me and I know I can't change it. Help me out here. There is no good way around the town. I mean, if you're bidding, say, and I see it as a, a kind of a buyer's problem, if you go into a deal thinking, you know, here's a lot, here's a group of lots or whatever, and here's what they're listed at, and here's what I'm willing to pay, and you have no idea that on the other side of the deal, there's somebody else who's already kind of earmarked these lots for something else and already has, you know, a claim on how the zoning is going to go down to do something completely different from what you have planned for it, if you have any plan at all. But somebody else, you, you can be sure, probably has a plan, and it's well along in the system when it comes to getting approval for plans or whatever else you have to do for permits and, and to make it happen. And they can bid you right out of the door. There's no way you can compete against people who have that kind of um, claim on the property. And they've got you know an investment that is much more valuable to the seller than yours is because they've got everybody else lined up to do something that you couldn't bring off, nor would you have any desire to do well, it. Nor would you even know about it. Well, yeah, and you have no way of knowing about it, too. So, I mean, just the, the lockup on information and on um, you know things that you would think, if it were a level playing field, everybody would know pretty much what is, what's going on already at this site. And, of course, it isn't at all how it happens. And I think it's been that way um, for a long time, and you know, long before I came along, certainly. But it's 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 egregious now because the amount of c- connections that you have to have to get anything done, um, and you know, the, the the trouble is, I I wouldn't be so opposed to that kind of a system if it really yielded results that were beneficial overall. But I don't I don't see a lot of the stuff as beneficial for the city overall. I see it as beneficial for developers who, you know, have no particular stake in the stuff they're 
developing, and, and they you know will build shoddy stuff and turn it over to people who have to foot the bill for it, and they're long gone, and they got top dollar for it, and you know, you've got a decaying neighborhood already in process. So I don't I don't see that as as desirable. It certainly isn't you know the way you would want you know competitive bidding for development development projects, um, and unfortunately, it's starting I think to take a real toll on long-term health of the city. I'll give a couple of examples here. And, I, and from the economic standpoint, I mean, how, you know, how can you how can you do this? It's, it's very similar. I mean, that's, well, I think people know the reason why I, I like doing the show so much is, to me, ev- everything is, is pretty much the same subject. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like it is, but it sort of is. It gets down to, to, to trading, to information. It gets down to pricing. It gets down to... Uh, you know, people being crooks, not crooks. Sort of no matter where it is. I'll give you a real basic example. Right behind where I live is a, a church, and it's been there, you know, forever. They used to have a school, and uh, then they didn't, they closed the school, and uh, they opened up the, the four grades. So they opened up the, the four grade center, Manny, for a while, and that didn't work either. But there was a building there that was the, quote, convent, right? Because they used to, way back in the day, they must have had 10 or 12 nuns. And, uh, and it was a full eighth grade. Of course, there's no more nuns, so they go and uh, they want to sell this piece of property. Well, it's the size of three, what are many three city lots, right? I think uh, across the alley from where, where you were, and uh, yeah, probably. And they well, they sell it, and so some guy decides he's going to build a three story building um, and do condos, and uh, you know, okay, so now it's zoned, I believe, Jan, for you know, essentially my building, three quarter walk up. Three-story walk-up. I guess you could have a garden. Or maybe the gardens were grandfathered in. I don't know if you, I don't know if you build one a garden anymore. But anyway, it's it's owned for a three-story place. So if you're in the middle of a candle building, it's gonna be three stories. And uh, and if and if you're, you know, there's all kinds of BS things you can do with it. If you want to have an equipment room up top, you can you can say it's an equipment room and you can get an extra bedroom. That's how your your bedroom came to be, Maddie. Up on it. That's an equipment room, by the way. Where you and Jill slept, <laughs> I bet you didn't know that. But that's an equi- that's an equipment room, uh, even though there is no elevator. But I mean, so there's little games that everybody kind of knows about. But but by and large, when the church went went to sell this property, it's essentially a three story walk up. Okay, so then <laughs> they sell it. And the guy puts up the one sample building, and business wasn't so good at the time, so the other two are still one still the other two are still vacant. But I'm watching this thing, and I get up to. Maddie, essentially your floor, and I'm watching the thing go a lot higher than than your floor, right? I mean, if you look across the alley, that place a lot taller than where you were, right? Yeah. Well, okay, and I'm saying, now, how the bleep is he doing this? And plus, there's a limit to how far you go back, because if you're going to put a garage, the garage has to be, what is it, John, like three feet off from the actual the alley, right? you got like a apron. We right? apron, yeah. Well, of course, this, this thing, the house is coming so far back on the lot, and I'm thinking... This guy's not going to have a garage. He must just going to have a, a place. Sure enough, up goes the garage, and now the garage sticks out maybe two feet further than what anybody else's garage, right, Manny? And uh, I'm thinking, how the bleep? Do so the guy's now got a place that's got to be eight to ten feet taller than any other place, and he's and he stole three feet of the alley. And I'm going now. I don't. I don't. I, you know. I don't care really what sort of anybody can do, but now. I have to believe that the, pl- the the property is now worth a hell of a lot more than when the under the new rules than when the church sold it to him, 
right? And oh yeah, and, but it's it's not like there's a list somewhere, like in a hospital, you know, appendectomy twenty grand. There's nothing like it's not like you can go into the ward office and say, here's here's you know, uh, zoning three story walk up. By the way, for fifty grand you get another floor. You know, for for another twenty grand, you get two feet of the alley. But it's it's not like this crap is listed, right? It's it's getting the right attorney, and all of a sudden somebody's building someplace on the property you just sold, and you go, wait a minute, there's supposed to be a single house there. It's a friggin' high rise. I, I, I wouldn't have sold it for that price if I had any idea that this next bump was going to be able to do that. Well, now fast forward to the Bears thing. The Bears paid a hundred and some million dollars for uh, the. Essentially, Arlington Park. I don't expect anybody to kind of know this, but somewhere back in the day, who did who did Dutchie Schwab piss off? Uh, oh, Jan, it was. Oh, um, was it wasn't Burn? Not Burn. Was it after Burn? Was it uh, Daly? Must have been Richie Daly. Yeah. Well, actually, well, it was somebody in the, somebody in the state. I think they backed the Republican. The Democrats got in some some story. But all of a sudden, these guys basically, if you wanted to make get a bet down, if you want to gamble in our in our world, when 40 years ago, you went to the racetrack or you went to Vegas, right? Or you you bet the numbers. Okay, so they, you know, the racetrack is doing real well. There's five of them in the Chicago area. Wait a minute, there's more than five. It was, uh, well, when I was a kid, it was Arlington, Washington, and Hawthorne on the flats. And you had Sportsman's, Maywood, Belmoral, and the, and the Sulkies, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, six. Six. And, uh, so everybody had their spot. And, uh, so, so that's where the money is. So now Dutchie Schwa, it's a beautiful area, Arlington Park. I mean, the Northwestern stops right there. I mean, you can't, can't beat it. So somehow or another, he pissed somebody off to the point where he ended up getting one of the off-track betting places because he was an owner. But he ends, but he ends up, uh, the tracks, even after they, they did the, uh, video poker in the, uh, in the saloons and stuff, Matty, the tracks were never able to do that. So they were, he was never even able to open up his restaurant in the off season and have people do video poker. And even all the restaurants around him could. So they basically pissed, he pissed somebody off. So now all this stuff they don't have. So now track, you know, horse racing's going down, down, down. He sells it to Madison Square Garden Corp. I'm not holding a, a candle to a touchy swan. I mean, in fact, didn't he torch the place or allegedly? You know, yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, we're not we talking about. Yeah, we, I mean, we're not talking about a saint to start with. But the point is, he's living under this one set of rules. So the first thing Kevin says is, "Okay, the Bears buy the place, or they're going to give the Bears a casino." Wait, 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 wait a minute. If a casino license came with this property, I got to believe the price would be a little higher than the Bears paid. You know. How, how is it? Why, why, do, why do we owe the Bears anything? I mean, uh, this, they should be under the same rules as the guys were before. Or, you know, the, it should have been up there for everybody. We're, we're going to allow whoever buys this place and makes a stadium out of it, we'll allow them to have a casino license, which I'm sure Displains is not going to be too happy with. So if, if it comes with that, what do you think that property goes for? A billion dollars, right? Oh, yeah. Well, to take your example, you know, what's going on near you, I would bet, you know, if you could kind of... Un- unravel all of the stuff that's gone into the building of that site with the taking of, of the piece of the alley and so on. On paper, there's probably a perfectly legitimate trail for all of that, and it's done by the books, and that there's been some kind of a granting of a variance to take a part of an alley that you or I could never get rights to, even if we had we thought a pretty good reason to get it. But it's been done to the letter, by greasing the wheels that make all of this stuff happen, and it includes 
you know, a price tag that the, the average person doesn't have on hand and doesn't even have a vision for making that kind of a, a valuable asset. But the people who do are, are light years ahead of everybody else, and they've been in on it for a long time and have been salivating you know, for the first chance to put all this into action. And they, they know who to go to. They know how to make it look right. They, they know how to get what they want. And if they pay, it will come out in some other way where somebody else is reimbursed or gets a piece of the business or something else to make it worth their while. And that you can't look at. There's no way you can unravel all that unless you have discovery in a, in a court case. Well, John, what do, you, what do you suppose for something as simple as a as an equipment room upstairs or a little bit higher, whatever, to want to go eight feet higher, to get, or to get a variance to go two feet into the alley, assuming they even got one, you know, that somebody couldn't call up and say, hey, what are these guys doing? I got, I mean, I, I mean, the routine I would think would be you would go to Eddie Burke's law firm or to Vidoliak law firm or one of these guys, and you're going to say, what's it going to cost? To, and I'm, I'll, I'll bet it's a reasonable amount. You know, where it's, it's, it's eight grand, it's ten grand, and they do the work for you, and because it actually is a bill that comes out of the zoning committee, it goes to the full council, and, and if you, I think if you look, John, uh, you can give me the numbers here, I may be better than I can, but I think if you look at all the bills that are passed by, I, I wouldn't call them bills necessarily, but all the, the pieces of paper that are passed by the city council, I'm gonna say 85% of them minimum are zoning variances where they all vote for zoning variances for each of the other aldermen in their area? Yes, and it, that's true. And and, and you know the, the uh, it sounds crass to say the fix is in, but it's preordained how they're going to vote on it. You know, the, the zoning committee is uh, there's the, seldom very many surprises that come out of that office. Well, I mean, it, it, if it if it if it's egregious enough to where. You know, I had a, uh, you know, a, a total hair up my behind about it and was a writer for the Tribune. And I showed up with pictures in the Tribune and said, this is outrageous. These guys are, you know, 50 feet higher than somebody else instead of 8 feet or 10 feet. And all of a sudden, if I made a scene out of it, then, you know, uh, Wadrizak is probably not going to vote for that variance for Michelle, Michelle Smith because he doesn't want his name on it because now people know about it. So that, that's the only way. Can you think Michelle Smith, if somebody comes from the South Side and wants a variance, that she even looks at it? No. They vote, they, she votes for theirs, they vote for her, hers. And, uh, I mean, I'm, what do you suppose the variance was when they took down, uh, the hospital to build high rises instead of going back to the three story walk ups? I mean, I'm sure everybody voted on that. As long as it wasn't enough of a bitch. I mean, as, as long well, as you, there was enough money to spread around. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know, but. Somebody I think with I, that sort of a, you know, vision of what could be put there. The, the money was spread around, and it was was way down the pipeline long before the average person would know anything about I, it. I think it's and you add to that, Tom, the fact that a lot of the, you know, the, I, I agree, you know, to some extent with aldermen who say there should be local prerogative for, you know, giving permits for whatever types of property are going to be built in your individual ward. There, there's advantages to that, but the, the problem for years has been that so many of these, you know, ward you know, officials or whatever have connections to the real estate brokerage industry where they, they've already got 
buyers on the hook, and they've already promised things to developers that they, you know, the average person wouldn't even know who to ask to get these things done. But they've already linked together a buyer and a seller, and they've already got the package of all the zoning changes that have to go with it. And this is done before the for sale sign even goes up on it. So I, I don't see any way around that. I mean, the scrutiny it would take for people to get interested in it and to see how this has really priced everybody else out of real estate development except the biggest national or international consortiums. Um, I think people would just be kind of sickened by it. But well, Jen, I don't, it's I don't, been going on that way for a long time. I, I, don't, I think the hook is... Um, it's it's not that you get paid. Let me walk through this. You tell me if I'm wrong because I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm going I'm I'm going by the numbers, but by, by what the numbers would tell me is happening. Okay, say you're a guy like uh, I'll use the name Wadrzak. Now when he came in, I'm going to say he was I won't say squeaky clean, but about as squeaky clean as an alderman ever could get, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, pretty clean. And uh, and uh, so but I, I think what happens is. I think the same thing happened to Mike Quigley, to be honest with you. Uh, I used to think he was squeaky clean. I don't anymore. Um, but he, let's just say Wadders that comes in here. M- Matty Weber becomes the alderman. And he comes in and he says, okay, I see all this happening. And somebody comes in and wants the zoning change in his area, you know, strictly. And, and Matty goes, no, you're not getting that. <laughs> I mean, and everybody does, I mean, that's why there's zoning laws, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's why this neighborhood should remain three-story walk-ups. We don't want an extra family living in your place. It's a parking place you're going to steal from somebody else. Blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the, the, out of the 15 things you're voting for tomorrow, 14 of them are zoning changes around the city. Now, I don't think Maddie's going to get a dime from those zoning changes, John. His, his job is either to vote yes or no, and he's going to vote no, and all of a sudden he's going to vote no and no, and somebody's going to say, Maddie, what the hell are you doing? I mean, this, this, is, this is how we make money. I mean, you get. I mean, you're, there's going to be ideas that are pretty good. There's going to be a spot where you want to give somebody a variance, where the law is kind of crummy. Zoning laws haven't been changed in you know whatever how many years. You know, that's kind of your job is to is to let people get stuff, and you, you're going to make the area better. Blah blah blah. You know, BS. But but so all of a sudden you're sitting there going, I spent all day long voting for changes in other people's areas that are making money off this, and I'm not because because I don't have my own law firm, or I don't have kind of a and all of a sudden, you get the idea. How come I'm making whatever Alderman makes, and these other guys are making ten times that because they have a law firm doing this crap? So you end up being wound into it. You, go, you know, you're in for a penny, then in for a pound. I think you know, unless you unless you just have a, you're a trust funder, where you say, no matter what, I'm never taking a dime from anybody. But you got to run again, right? So you need. Well, and take, that's the problem. Yeah. If, you, if you squawk about it, or if you say, hey, where, where was mine on this deal? I've been a good you know, soldier here for all these other projects, you know, when does my turn come? And if you start making us think about it, you, you will be effectively deplatformed. Yeah. You, you won't get it, people to circulate your signatures for the next round of nominations, or they'll run some show against you who will just, you know, create enough confusion or disarray that you will be completely you know, evicted from that spot. So you have to, until you have your own kind of clout base, um, you're depending on people to take care of you. And you can't fight it at the peril of losing your job anyway. You can't fight it. But I think so, the point I'm trying to make, though, John, is I think it's up to if I'm stealing in my ward and I'm getting my law firm is doing variance after variance. Uh, I don't think I pass that any of that on to you. It's up to you to do the same thing in your ward, and I'll vote for your stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah, 
and build your own little empire, yeah. and, you know, and hang on to it and make sure that you're, you know, people playing both sides of the fence underneath you. So. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the weird part of it is, is if you actually, and I don't know if a lot of listeners know this, there are, there are a lot of cities that have no zoning laws, right? Oh, yeah. Is it Houston or, being or a, useless zoning, you know, but, or you know, zoning that is actually counterproductive because it encourages the, the wrong kind of construction or development for what the city actually needs. So, to its credit, the, the city has had you know, a, a vision of zoning for over 60 years now. With a, with a, with a, I wouldn't say it's a model of zoning, but it's it has a vision, and, it, and, and to some extent it's succeeded. You know, I wish it had succeeded. Well, that's, a, that's my point. If, if, if there is some kind of a plan that makes sense, the last thing you want to do is have 50 aldermen doing whatever they damn well please against it. Right. I mean, you really don't want one guy to have a three-story house and the guy next to him, you know, 20 feet higher and say, hey, what are you doing? But, I mean, doesn't, is it, isn't Houston the one that has, like, literally if somebody's got a high-rise, you, you can put up a trailer park right next well, to it. you got a kinder care, you know, or Montessori school next to an adult bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's okay. <laughs> oh, God. What, what do you need an adult bookstore for? you got the Internet. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself. <laughs> S&P futures now down 32. Uh, they were actually up last night for a little while, and uh, not, not anymore. Nasdaq futures down 203. We're leaking pretty good here. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Hello, North Bay. Thanks for Jack. I'm Tim Schmidt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 32. And NSA Futures down 200. And like I said, these things were, they opened down last night, then they came back to positive. And now, the last half hour since we've been doing the show, uh, they really leaked. They weren't down that much when we came in, but now we're, we're creeping. Tesla's down 25 and stocks in the Dow. Apple's down 2. Uh, Home Depot's down 160. And we, oh, we got, uh, Microsoft down 443. Microsoft's been taking a hit lately. Nike's down 4 bucks as well. Uh, Salesforce down 260. So there's starting to be some reasonable movers to the downside here in the Dow. Um, John and Maddie, but Maddie doesn't follow this that much. Uh, Jerome Powell have, is having his, uh, confirmation hearings are starting this week. How do you, how do you think that's gonna go? I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm kinda curious. I, first of all, the, the people think he's, this is not a, this is not a, uh, I'm asking this question legit. The people think he's Democrat or Republican or what? Whatever those terms mean anymore, yeah. and they, they don't mean very much in, in his context, really. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, he was he was appointed by Trump, right? Well, because yeah. what's her name mm-hmm. is out. Uh, but then he, but he was put on there by uh, Obama, wasn't he? I mean, he, I mean, he was put on the Fed, right? I think maybe Trump made him chairman, but um, well, he was a well, he know, was a vice that, chair, you know. The story of survival at, at that level. I mean, look at Yellen as another example of this. I mean, oh, please don't make me discussions about party are kind of meaningless. I think really they've reached the the ultimate. They're just in the money area. They they, they, well, they, they they're party unto themselves, I guess. You know, and, and all the other parties are, are just kind of you know somewhat passive. You, you, I mean, they don't seem to have, to have greater sway given you know, who's in power or who holds. Them. Congress or anything else, it doesn't seem to make much difference. And these people are, are kind of worshipped, you know, there's little shrines being built to them by people of all different political stripes, so I don't I don't get it, but, you know, we live in a, kind of an apolitical world, I guess, at that level, so. Yeah, when it's, uh, you know, whenever I, you know, whenever I have a discussion with some of the uh, people on the right, they always talk about the cities being democratic, and I go, the, the, the cities are emperorships. They're not. They don't. They don't. They don't, they don't pay. Any, they don't pay any heed to any party. Machines. Yeah, they're autocratic machines. You tell them to be Republican tomorrow, they'd say, "Well, okay, I'll do that." <laughs> they don't care. I mean, anyway, uh, one man's opinion. But I, do you think he's got problems? I mean, he's got to. I, I I think that the people up top in Congress and in uh, and even the the, the bigger com- country companies. Uh, they think what they've done is, I mean, you listen to CNBC, and everybody is gushing about what a spectacular job these guys have done in the last two years, and how great the economy is going, and how, and how everything is swell. And I, I, I tell you what, in terms of bigger companies, I think it's swimmingly good for them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, John, I'm up to 90%. I used to say 80, 80 85. I'm going to say 90% of the economy, and I'll drop that down. Eighty percent of the economy is not only in a recession; they're in a depression. But given their income over the last ten years versus uh, the prices of stuff they're paying and those kinds of things, I don't, I don't even, I don't even have it close. Uh, and yet, you know, I don't. But those, I don't think those people control control any of the media anymore. I mean, they, nobody, nobody writes the story of that person, and nobody talks about it. No, and even the ones who, you know, would be opposed to that kind of tyranny are. I think afraid of, of the disruption that would 
follow if if you know, the, the really bad situation we're in were to become clear in the media. I, I don't think that the people are prepared for it, and I don't I don't think they you know they would explode in, in anger, and that isn't what either side of the political spectrum is interested in. They don't want a rebellion against a system where there's just you know inchoate anger and fury. Uh, that's that's really dangerous stuff. But you know. The, You'd have to say that you know Powell and his predecessors kept a pretty good lid on all of that energy and were able to, to characterize it in a way that made it look like everything was just fine. And don't ask too many questions. Don't ask these questions. And you won't like the answers if you really push us too hard. So it's, it's really about squelching any kind of serious, honest discussion about any of this stuff so that everybody gets kept in the dark. Well, I... I uh the thing that appears to have kept, shall we say, the, the wolves at bay, uh, you know, I won't say, you know, guns and stuff, even though we do always talk about January 6th, uh, the revolutionary wolves at bay has been the stock market and asset prices. And I don't see any way these guys can can fight inflation at all here without doing something to those prices. I mean, I, I, I talk to people... Uh, constantly in my work that have, you know, massive investments. And I it's it's not up to me to market time. It's not up to me to tell people how to to deal with their their money. I just say, look, you you're you're up you're up the money supply is up 38% since COVID started. And the market is basically up say 45-50. To think that there's not a connection there is absolutely but I'm, I'm talking about even for somebody who does not have the economic training that I do to think there's not a connection there that um, uh, you know your dollar is a good like everything else and if you degrade the value of the dollar it's the value of the dollar is a, is the value based on something else so if you double the amount of dollars and you get the same amount of swimming pools available guess what the price of the swimming pool is going to go up because the value of the dollar is going down not that the pool has gone up. This is, this works both ways. But in the U.S., we're not usually taught that. And I remember my first class in, econo- in international economics, I was absolutely a dunce of the class, University of Chicago, because they had all these guys there from France, these other places. But to them, it was like night and day, because that's what they dealt with all the time. This currency goes up, that one goes down. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I'm from the south side. I got a dollar in my pocket. It's always been a dollar. It's always going to be a dollar. What are these idiots talking about? And it turns out, you know, I, I had to learn. But it's not just you. It's it's not just your dollar. It's not, and, and even if everybody does the same thing with everybody's currency, that that the, your dollar, is, if you if you throw too many of them out there, it's not the price of gas going up. It's the price of the dollar going down. It's a two edged sword. But I'm going to say that ninety percent of the population doesn't have time to think about things that way, John, until it's forced on them. But I'm, but if these guys actually. If he gets enough heat from the Senate, there's going to be people who are not going to want to nominate him because of the inflationary pressures and the people in their district. Not so much senators, probably, but there's going to be representatives that are saying, "We want this guy out of there." Every time I every time I go somewhere, the price of something was up. Price of used cars have doubled in the last year. This guy's at fault. He's he's in charge of this. I I, I get he, I bet he gets in, but I I bet you if it was in front of the house, he'd be taking some serious some serious grief. I, well, I do, do detect that there's a lot of, of pushback to people I talk to who are keeping track of, you know, stuff they buy and watching the price climb for, you know, a particular thing, a particular line, a particular manufacturer, or an absence of the, the, the commodity completely.
that leave me when things get worse? If, if they don't notice this as, as bad as it's looking, what will it take when it, for there to be a tipping point of some kind? And somebody is going to say, you know, we've got a problem here. But, but who will that person be, Tom, and, and who will take the political heat for saying it and maybe taking a chance of being wrong or premature or alarmist? I, I don't know. Well, you're, always gonna be, you're always going to be premature because it's a lagging indicator. Right, right. Um, and but and and, and the, this, the thing that you know I try to, to, to say this one's going to go away. It's not a subject I have to talk about. But this week, I read something where we're talking about how many people are are, uh, are are taking early stuff out of their retirement accounts just to hang in there with the raising prices, or they're you know doing stuff out of their retirement accounts to buy a house or something like that. And all I'm thinking about is the the only you know the, the leg of the stool that's hung in there has been the stock market. And, and people's 401k, to a certain extent, is the opiate of the people. It's the nothing but go straight up. If that, if, the, if that takes a huge hit. But I don't see how you get from point A to point B. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not going to fight inflation with three quarter point, in, quarter point increases. I, 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 if you call me up today and say the job's yours, I'm saying no. <laughs> I don't want it now. You just hit the iceberg. You could have the captaincy. I don't want the captaincy of this Titanic thing. There's a hole in it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how you get out of this mess. I wish there was some place. You know, I, I try to conceive what what somebody who would be the opposite of Powell would be saying and expecting to be, you know, taken on by an interest group or to be pushed as a successor to Powell, or to even have a, a, a job in that industry with with a kind of microphone where you could talk about this stuff. I don't I don't see that that's very welcome. It, it probably never has been. When, when, and when things get really bad, you can be sure that the opposition is going to be more silenced than ever, <laughs> because the, the, to, to do anything other than keep going with the way you've been doing it is an admission of failure that creates all sorts of uncertainty, likely to crash markets and make people despondent. It, it, you don't want to do that either, so you, you keep up with the, the fiction that you're kind of depending on. And I don't know anybody brave enough. Well, when Powell, came, when Powell came in, the latter part of 2018, he did exactly that. He said, look, we've been putting pouring too much money in the system. We're going to uh, stop doing that, and we're going we're gonna, to, hence the term, the taper tantrum. And the market went down, and he said, "Oh well, if the market's going to go down, he got he got paddled somewhere." And he turned his policy totally around and just kept pouring money back in. Even then, the COVID came up and it got even worse. So, but to this day, somewhere, if you listen to the, if you could possibly listen to all three finance channels all day long, every time somebody talks about the the Fed move that caused the taper tantrum and caused the market to go down, everyone will say that was a Fed mistake. Not that the market was too high because what they did before, you know, by the way, it gave some of it back when you went back to more normal policy. I won't say normal, more sustainable policy, a less inflationary policy. Every person will tell you that that was a mistake, that somehow or another they have to get from a, an amazingly expansionary policy, which is 0.5%, uh, to something that now is not just neutral, but further than neutral to where you have to fight inflation, which I'm going to say is a minimum of six, maybe seven. We went to 12 before. I thought 12 was too high. And re- on reflection, I don't think Vol- uh, Volcker had to do it that high. But uh, maybe, uh, you, you know, you, but it, it sure as hell is in 1.2 or one and a quarter. And I, and I don't see how, you know, 
the the current asset pricing hangs anywhere near there. Where it's with a six number deal. I mean, yeah. I wish it would. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want the market to go down. I I've got even the protective stuff I do for people. The people that are most conservative maybe give me. Forty percent of their stuff to be protected, and the other sixty they're not, and they, and they think they're hedged. Yeah, I, 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 the forty percent I'm managing, and and you know, and obviously I don't make as much if the thing runs straight up, but I'll, I'm okay on that part. But all I do is worry about the other sixty, right? Right. And I, well, know, don't you think it's at some point too that Powell will call what he did a mistake if he hasn't already done so? <laughs> Well, the, the mistake he's been backed into as well, and, and he can't become, a, you know, a proponent of, of that again now. I don't think without but, right. raising some eyebrows. But the mistake, John, is the expansion, not not what will happen when you contract it. The, the mistake is in too much beer in the party. The mistake is that, is not cutting people off from the beer, right? <laughs> Making a move. Be overserved. <laughs> the mistake is not the hangover. The mistake was drinking too much. <laughs> Can I get more blatant than that? <laughs> the mistake was not bringing the last bottle of uh, Jaeger or whatever that stuff is, uh, Jameson's. The, the mistake was having shots around till it was gone. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> By the way, man, is, is that still a shot of choice? Jameson's? A lot of people like Jameson, yeah. Is that still the number one selling booze? Um, I wouldn't know, but it certainly could be. It's, I, I have it around just for snake bite, Tom. <laughs> God, hey, you know, speaking of, uh, um, I had this. I spent. Uh, if you're an uncle, if ever want to, if you want to do something interesting, spend like a whole day with your nephew in the car. Um, especially, you know, because the difference of, of perspective on the world in general is, is is just. Even if they're you know they're, they're good kids, they're right. Sometime I'm right. Sometime, but. The, uh, the the difference in perspective is is how much more you see of the world in the forty years older much you are higher or thirty years old higher is really something. I uh, you know it was because um, one of the things that's really uh, starting to hit home. Uh, I change subjects all the time, but Carl has been talking about the last several weeks regarding the amount of deaths this year over you know over. Uh, Predicted, actually predicted, Jan, right. is being really high. And once in a while I'll see an article, I saw one last week from a guy who's the chairman of some insurance company. Now, it's not a name I recognize or you would recognize, but they're a, a life insurance reinsurance place. Right, the Indianapolis bunch. Um, I mean, I'd say they're from Indy, right? Yeah. Uh, and how they're in some some age groups this year, the expected, or in the last six months, the uh, expected deaths have been like 40% higher. I mean, some some huge number, and uh, so this week, one of the uh, Audrey's friends or my friends, her dad passed. She's ninety something, you know, got a good long life. Principal in school, real nice guy. Uh, she can't get a spot in the church. There's so many, there's so many funerals. I mean, Jan, the, the the amount of deaths it's spectacular. I mean, and what's going on right now? And, uh, well, I, I, you know, Mike Bellwether for this. I've, I've always been you know, the, the quintessential Southside newspaper reader. I go to the obituaries first and see who's who's not around today that was around so yesterday. So, how long? There. How long before so, you uh, you see a guy's name in there before you call a widow? <laughs> well, 
Remember, they used to put people's addresses in the death notice this time, but they, they stopped doing that because there were you know, gangs of thieves who were looking for everybody to be at the wake that day, and they'd go in and loot the place. <laughs> what they used to call the, the obituaries, the Irish, uh, what, the Irish one, or match, match well, column or something? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Well, you know, to, to, to compare, like, the Tribune and the Sun-Times as examples, the, the Tribune is far and away the, the corner on... Paid obituaries these days. I, get, you know, I, I don't know what the rate structure is. It's been a while since I actually had to buy an obituary for a family member. But um, I notice in the Sunday sometimes, which is where all of these tend to be grouped, because a lot of them are for memorial services. They're not timed to actual funerals that week. Some of the, these deaths occurred weeks or months ago, but there, there hasn't been any published notice of them yet. But but for the last two Sunday sometimes, there's an excess of two full pages of these things. And, uh, you know, that is noticeable to me because that hasn't been that way throughout 2021. And I, I have to believe just anecdotally that there is an uptick. Um, the, the, my local funeral home in the neighborhood, or I, I know the guy who owns the place, and I see him around the neighborhood occasionally. And he's busy all the time now, and he had nothing going on yeah, those in guys, 2020. Uh, um, even one of my favorite actors, Sidney Portier, died. Of course, he, yep. yep. I remember, what was it? What was the, the terrific line from... Uh, and if you ever seen the movie, the In the Heat of the Night, it's it's still it's you know it's not as dated as uh, it, it, it's weathered pretty well. I think uh, that movie he was in it was terrific. So was Rod Steiger, Rod Steiger, right? Yeah. And uh, what was the uh, they call me Mister Tips? What, what was it? Hey, hey boy, where they call you? Where you come from? And he goes, they call me Mister Tips. <laughs> what a great line! Uh, that became its own movie. Or yeah, then they made well they had a follow up movie because it was such a <laughs> but. Uh, he was, uh, but, but there were some scenes in that movie that were, uh, you know, pretty poignant. The one, Rod Steiger smacked the crap out of the one guy who was, was trying to beat up Sidney Portier with the tire iron. Yeah. When he say something like, take your glasses off, and he smacked the crap out of the guy's face, okay, you put a bit, or something like that. Whatever it was, he, but, uh, I could never adjust that image from the Rod Steiger performance to Carol O'Connor, oh. the TV series. It was, it was very different, you know. Well, that, that wasn't, uh, that was, it was Rod Steiger, and I, uh, Carol Connor, right? Yeah, he was in the TV series in the Heat of the Night. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol, Carol Connor, and that that guy is just you know that character is just a shadow of him. I mean, Rod Steiger just made big gold out of that role. I mean, he, he was one one like fearsome guy. So. Well, they, I remember the uh, well, he was in the remember the pawnbroker. God, was that was oh, a dark, what a dark movie that was. Well, what a what a wrenching movie that is. Man. Hey, did you ever see that? Uh, I did not see that one. Oh. Uh, it's, it's well, you you'll love it, but you'll never watch it twice. Yeah, you, you almost. <laughs> you'll say this is a spectacular movie. Where can I where can I burn this CD? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of movies like that that you want to just see once and say, "Yeah, it's a great movie." I want I don't want to go through that again. You know, my dad used to tell the story about the movie The Lost Weekend. You know, the Billy Wilder film. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Rainbow Land, and uh, my my dad would tell told a story about somebody who said, "God, I saw the last week Lost Weekend last week." That really makes you want to swear off and. The response is what? Booze? No, movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kept uh, he, he was he was so trash, but he kept he kept thinking he saw mice running around the floor. Right? Was that it? Or rodents were going by? Yeah. <laughs> I watched a- that movie once because I knew I had to see it, and it got Best Picture I think in 1946 or something. But having seen it once, it's like yeah, it's like, I don't oh need it or want to see it again. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's like seeing your favorite actor get killed or something. It's like you know, it's like God it was a. I, I feel the same way about that about being a shot Liberty Valance. I mean, where you just see everybody, 
know, when a guy shows up after all these years and all these people are old, he says, well, where's your guns? I haven't worn a gun in 20 years. What are you talking about? I mean, it's like, it's, it's like a, it, it's a movie that when you watch it about aging, it's just, ugh. Yeah. You know, God. <laughs> I prefer my fantasy time. Yeah, no kidding. It's, a, <laughs> it's like, I would look in the mirror and see what I, what I used to see 30 years ago. But, <laughs> but, uh, but Jan, we got, the numbers are coming this week. And, uh, CPI, PPI, and people are seeing what's happening here. How do, how do we get the, the political will to do this the best we can? I don't see, I mean, we were talking earlier to Matty about the, you know, the COVID situation. And, uh, so wondering, I got to breakfast yesterday. I'm saying, I thought, first of all, I thought we're never going to be able to get in. Look at all these cars. Well, it turns out they put one of these pop up COVID joints next to the restaurant. Oh, yep. So everybody's out there sitting in their car. They must be, must be family members going in. They're all piling in there, and I'm going. And now, now they're talking about they need like hundreds of thousands more tests. God's sake, Jan! What, what are we doing with all these tests? I mean, they're 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 ten percent. Plus, they don't have any of the ones that are really good, right? Sign of the big. I walked none by. Of them, none of them are you know are usable. They haven't been usable since the get go. Uh, I, I I am somewhat gratified that you know the demand by the Chicago Teachers Union that all these students have to be tested and found to be negative before they're let back into school was immediately shut down because could you think of a more unworkable system well i mean if it what there's a, i should know the name of these tests but there's the there's the there's the rapid test right man you get right there and then there's the one where they take and they call you up a few days later yeah in a yeah it sends actually goes out to a lab well they're all out they're all out of those all these places so all you're getting is the first one not the place i go to but okay, well, i know there's shortages absolutely well, if you check maybe the last couple of days, I mean, this, this place you said, what's the second one, the longer, the one that goes to the lab? The PCR test. Yeah, the big sign on the window, no PCR test, we got the other ones. So and that one has been dropped by the CDC as of January 1 as being unable to distinguish between COVID and flu. So it's not even, I mean, it was, it, that tells me it was never usable as an indicator of anything, not even, certainly not of cases, but just of, of positive results out of something that had no way of being limited only to COVID, um, and it's it's not even used anymore, but we, we've kind of created a whole lockdown culture based on that test results. So, you know, who's laughing now? Well, <laughs> Manufacture I mean, of the test, I guess, because it, it really didn't translate to anything meaningful health-wise. Well, if you got a half a million tests you're given a day and you got a 10% uh, false positivity, it's 50,000 people. Yeah. And I would bet it's more than that, Tom, especially when you, you know, the, anecdotally I've heard of, you know, 50-50 chance of getting, and who knows what's the accurate result if nobody's ever really sick. What are you measuring here other than the fact that the test has wildly different results regardless of what your health situation may be? And they're still, you know, they're now kind of pulling back on the idea of people who aren't sick or showing symptoms getting tested because it's it's not useful to anything. It never was useful. Well, some of these hospital places, Jan, are now telling people, I, I don't get it. How, how do you have a hospital area that says if you're asymptomatic, come to work? In the meantime, uh, whole whole downtown areas are staying home. You can go you can go back to work in a hospital. What? But, and or worse, if you have, you know, if you don't have a, a proof of vaccine, you can't work. Period. Other than there's been exceptions carved out in other places, even if you don't have a vaccine and you're, you're not symptomatic, come on in. You can't go to a restaurant, but you can work in the emergency room. Like, well, no, wait a minute, something's really wrong here. And now Citigroup's saying they're going to fire everybody that doesn't get a vaccine. And that was that was the announcement yesterday out of Citigroup. Okay, so 
How 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 do you get to do that? I mean, uh, well, if you listen to any of the oral arguments the other day in the Supreme Court on Friday, it makes me think that any result is a possibility because it sounds like Geraldo Rivera and Whoopi Goldberg have gotten an inside track on the Supreme Court justices, and they're just spouting stuff that you could hear on the View any day. And it has nothing to do with science or health or informed consent. Or nothing that you would expect a Supreme Court judge to have some kind of expertise in. And they're just throwing numbers around. You know, Justice Sotomayor is saying, uh, you know, there's a hundred thousand children on ventilators and crazy stuff. Every, and then, every, and whatever, this is whatever supposed you, to like sway the debate. So whatever, whatever you. One thing's for sure is whatever side you're on, you can sure find enough articles to support you. Well, and some of them are, you know, certainly more credible than others. Some are totally incredible and totally unscientific. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it just floors me that you could have a Supreme Court, you know, oral arguments session, and the idea of a forced vaccination running afoul of informed consent never even comes up as an issue in the questioning. What does that tell us? About well, it had been places that are closed versus not closed. I mean, I, I don't know. Two years ago, when this all started, I said we got to start from the. If we had, I mean, this is one thing you learn when you're we were a trader before everybody had a computer, right? Yeah, you had to learn to take things to the extreme because you had to figure this all out in your head because there wasn't was anything that helped you. So you have to say, okay, if the stock went to three hundred, do I still want this spread or don't I? So you always did things to the extreme, and I don't think there's any doubt, John, that if what are we at three hundred thirty million people in this country, we're up to three fifty, we're somewhere in there. That if we had 330 mountaintops and 330 uh, sleeping bags and something that you could pack chow for a week and hopefully a bathroom for a week, we all went to the top of the mountaintop for 10 days and came back, we could get rid of the disease, right? Because either you're going to get it and fight through it or you can't spread it if you're nowhere near anybody. But the fact is, everybody's got to be someplace, right? I mean, right. you're either at home doing something or doing something or thriving financially or failing financially. It's, well, some are home. Some are at home by themselves, in which case they, you could not give it to anybody or get it from somebody. Some people live with families. Some people have to be someplace where there are people. I mean, you the, the idea that we're going to close these places and force everybody home or we're going to do this and force it, either it, it becomes so class-centric that the person living in the penthouse getting stuff delivered to him, he can hang in there. But the person who comes from a family, eight people, in a three-bedroom home, guess what? How do you, how exactly do you isolate in a place like that? You know, it's a... Uh, well, this is going to bite the Chicago Teachers Union before they're through. Well, that's right. And, and, and so the question is, where, where are you and how serious is it? And as time has gone by, the whole different areas of the city. I mean, if you go out to Orland, those places, and Tinley, where the mayors have said, look, we're not enforcing any of this stuff. I mean, the people there, they they are just over it. They're saying, I've either already got it or I'm going to get it, and I'm rolling with it. I mean, I'm going to keep it away from my mother if I can or my grandmother. I mean, either, even then, uh, the one hospital, the one lady whose dad just died, said there is, there is no separation in that hospital from people that have COVID from anybody else. It's, it's. I mean, I even look at that going. What, and really, how could there be time and have it function as any kind of a hospital? I mean, it would be a totally unworkable as an institution if you had these kind of strict. Well, but I mean, it, it, when, it, when if you came in, if, if forty people came in with smallpox, you would hope that you could keep those people separate from the rest of the people. You know, hospital. That's what these new hospitals. They're not designed at all for quote disease. 
There, there's, there's no institution can really yeah. be designed well, I mean, around a vaccine, around a virus that hasn't been isolated as smallpox has. We can look at it. We know we study. It. We know what it is. It's, it's always been smallpox. This, this stuff is just you know this illusion that people are chasing. And there's no no institution around it that can do. But, but hey, they diagnosed her her dad, who passed unfortunately, is having COVID. Well, her mom was in the same hospital. She was visiting her dad and walked down the hall and visited her mom. There was no there was no distinction whatsoever. There, there was no and yet well, I could, but that's probably the world we have to live in, Tom, and always did have to live in it. That some people are, you know, carrying stuff. It's like you know people who have herpes or whatever else in their genetic structure, and you know you interact with people despite any of that. And yes, you know, there are communicable diseases, and no, you can't get rid of them all. And no, you can't. But yeah, you need you need you you and I. I mean, uh, neither one of us are an architect. And once in a while, you know, you end up in a hospital either visiting or unfortunately or yourself. Um, whoever put these new places together, I wonder, are, are they designing themselves a massive office building for their own paycheck? There's, there's no, you, they're designed for somebody to have cancer, for somebody to have heart surgery. I mean, even, you, I mean, some of them, you, you walk th- through the waiting room like to get to the emergency room. You should, you, you can't have somebody, they're they're not designed to for, to ask you what your what your problem is when you walk in, and if it looks like you have something contagious, you have to go to an area first where they at least check you out. I mean, what, you, I mean somebody with with uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the shot we're all supposed to get as we're old? Uh, chicken pox thing? The uh, oh, the shingles. You don't you don't want you don't want the shingles people walking through the maternity ward, right? I, I mean, I mean, if, if you or I mean, if, if somebody's pregnant, you don't want them anywhere near them. Well, you know, the German right? measles sufferer in the OBGYN yeah. section, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you don't. Anyway, John, we got a dash, buddy. Talk to you later in the week. SP futures up thirty-one. The next time you're on, we'll be talking about CPI, PPI. Uh, hopefully, those numbers aren't horrible. Nasdaq futures down one ninety. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Checks. I'm Tom Howell. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures are down 29.50. 
Nasdaq futures down 183.50. Dow futures now down 111. They're following the other stuff down. They were up last night, um, for a little while anyway, uh, over in Europe. And then we, we spun back down again after a bunch of down days last week. Europe's starting to fall with us. DAX down 96.6%. What's the only now? 13.2%. CAC around down 46 So orderly over there. Nikkei down 9. Call that flat. Um, Shanghai. Actually, the Nikkei, I think, is closed. 1.7 was... Uh, it was Friday, right? That was something they traded. So now, yep. they're, 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 so they're, they're, delay that. Nikkei is not trading today. Shanghai is actually up 13. They are trading today. That's a uh, 0.4%. Hang Seng up 253, 1%. Uh, China's Shamao Group, maybe Mike knows who those guys are, up 19%, which is, uh, driving some of that. Bonds, 1.78, up one uh, basis point. The bond, minus 0.04. Are we going to make it to zero? Maybe. Japan up, uh, up another, uh, well, they're up 0.13, which I never thought I'd see. It's been 0.04, 0.05, ad infinitum, another 0.13. So, uh, t- 10-year rates are going up worldwide. Uh, Dow, Dow Jones, uh, on Friday was down 4, S&P down 19, NASDAQ down 144. The Dow's been hanging in there. American Express been a big winner in the Dow lately. Caterpillar's been a big winner, but not so today. Well, we've got down 30 cents back under 80 bucks, 78.60. Rent down 25 cents, 81.50. Natural gas up 25 cents, 4.17. Our Bob unchanged at 2.29. And we got gold, uh, down a buck, 19.76. Again, every time over 1800 runs into sellers. Silver down a penny, 22.39. Copper down two cents, 4.38. And we've got Bitcoin down 1600 to 40,000, 8.91 as it continues its slide. Uh, 63,000 six weeks ago, Manny. So 40% is down. What is that? 30%? That's a long way. Uh, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, still nice and quiet on the area expressways. No accidents or significant delays to speak of on any of the area expressways. Only one crash in the area. It's in the northwestern suburbs. Route 53 on the northbound side just before Palatine Road. There's a crash that's on the, the right shoulder now, so expect delays on Route 53 as there's some solid traffic because of that crash. But everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, cloudy and cold with snow flurries. Uh, no accumulation, but uh, we will see some snow flurries. A high of just 16, which is right around where we are right now, as it's cloudy and 15 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 73 today. Right now it's clear and 51. In sports, the Bears wrapped up their season, uh, falling up in Minnesota to the Vikings, 31 to 17. Bears finished six and 11, and uh, will likely uh, make a, a bunch of change announcements this week, including uh, maybe the head coach. Maybe they should get some more draft picks and some more players. That would help. Cardinals lost uh, to the Seahawks, 38 to 30, but the Cardinals are still in the playoffs. They'll take on the Rams in Wild Card Weekend on Monday night. Sunday Night Football, it was the Raiders advancing into the playoffs over the Chargers as they won 35-32 in overtime. Chargers are out. NBA Basketball, Bulls' nine-game winning streak is over. They lost down in Dallas 113-99. Bulls are still the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Lastly, College Hoops, Northwestern lost at Ohio State 95-87. Chief. Manny, who, uh, if, if they dump this guy, who takes that job? Another just first... Guy looking for his first pro jab anywhere? Well, the uh, the the buzz is that uh, they're going to make a push for Jim Harbaugh, which would be interesting. Um, Why? And uh, he has some interest in coming back to the NFL. He had success in the NFL with the 49ers before he decided to go back to college to go to his alma mater. 
but I don't think that's going to happen. But that's the buzz. I think your your prediction is more likely that they'll they'll get the next sort of up and coming assistant coach. Leslie Frazier, maybe. Um, he's already coached before, I think, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't. I don't think him. No, it's not, it's I think not it'll a situation. Be a first got, time guy. You got no team. You got no draft picks. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they're they're sh- they don't have a first or a fourth this year. They have two fifths, so they're going to be uh, they're two picks short um, of the normal amount of picks. I think something like that, yeah. or maybe one pick short. But, we have uh, Mr. Mike Hart. We do. My hey, welcome back, buddy. Missed you. Hey, thank you, Chief. Yeah, I missed you too. I'm glad to uh, be here talking to you. How are you, how are you doing? All right, I understand that you've uh, enrolled in Brendan's marathon running class for this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I can do that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you're doing better, eh? Yeah, doing great. This ice must have been good for you. What's that? The ice storm must have been good for you. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> always like a good ice storm. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a good, nothing like a good ice storm. This is uh, well, we're talking about a miserable weekend. Hey, so hey, uh, right, right yeah. to it. What um, you and I talked? I don't know if you remember uh, when the, the the dude, the dude, how's that for Southside? Uh, bought the gazillion uh, calls in the VIX in for November, sure. and uh, you and I both mentioned that even though if you listen to the to the Talking Heads. They will tell you that a, a purchase of VIX, um, because when the market goes down, the VIX wants to go up, that that's essentially a hedge against the market going down. And you and I both said, or you said, because you had more statistics than I care for come up with, and I agreed that, you know, if it goes down in somewhat of an orderly repricing fashion, you may not make any money on the VIX, and you're still going to lose all the money on your calls or on your stocks in the last week or Absolutely. two. Is exactly what you talked about, but I don't know if you remember that. But I remember that was we we could do this every day, twenty five spook points till till we're down fifty percent, and it's not going to push the VIX at all, is it? Right. Well, you know, chief, it's all about the velocity of the movement. So if you get uh, if things are orderly, then you don't get a lot of fear, and that's really what the VIX is pricing in is that fear. So uh, you know, we really see a spike in the VIX when the market uh, really has that push to the downside because, you know, uh, a market crash scares, it just scares the street and uh, there's a lot of option buyers and causes volatility to expand super fast. I, we're down five days in a row now, down 25 points. You're right, if, you know, we stick around here, if we, we just have an orderly sell-off, um, it's not going to cause the volatility index VIX to spike that much. We're, we're at 20 Right now, we're up about two points, I believe, in the VIX, uh, maybe a little bit more. But, uh, you know, we're at 21. We've been hanging out here, as you know, Chief, for, you know, a year. This is this is not unusual volatility quite yet. And being down five days in a row, you might expect a little more volatility. It, I, I would expect if we saw, you know, maybe down 50 points today, we would see, you know, volatility maybe really start to pick up. But, I mean, it's showing no... Well, at least no hint of it being like forty. Anytime, well, I mean, no, I no, right now, you know, I, I mean, it's interesting with, uh, you know, there's a lot of news out there, and I think Omicron is one of the biggest pushers of the news. And there's also, you know, the idea of uh, we have interest rate hikes, hikes that are being expected this year. You'd think there'd be a little more volatility, especially being January. Uh, it just seems to be a little quiet right now. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's 
I think it's being described somewhat of, as a rotation. I I don't know if I describe it that. The Nasdaq's taking a pretty big hit. I mean, it's, that, I wouldn't call that a rotation. I mean, we have some Dow stocks that are. I, I don't I don't know why the big rally's been coming in American Express and Caterpillar and a few others. And I are, are you a, a big buyer of this? If interest rates go up, the banks do so much better stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm not so much, but are you? I mean, everybody seems to agree with that. Where do you come out on that? I mean, historically, when you look at it, they they have done a little bit better. But, uh, you know, this time around, Chief, I'm, I, I'm not so much of a buyer either. I'm, I'm kind of on your team. Yeah, I don't uh, – it seems like they haven't been paying in people interest for so long uh, and, and charging a whole boatload on – and credit cards and stuff. I, you know, I, I think they they sort of got the world right where they want them. I don't. I guess it gets a little better if they can charge, but I don't. I don't think the the, the people that they that they loan money to. Well, you know what, Mike? It's hard for me to know the balance the balance of business out of those guys. I mean, how many? I know they have the credit card divisions. I don't know how many plumbers they they still loan to. I don't know the auto loans. They, what is Wells Fargo or City? That to the extent that they're Given loans to Microsoft and people at two two and a half percent, maybe if that goes up to four, they'll do a lot better. I honestly don't know the the balance, the, the spread of loans for Citigroup. Do you? I mean, I you know it's been so long. No, I, I you know looking when you look at the banking industry, uh, you know one thing you can look at is the ETF XLF that's going to give you kind of an idea of how like the general industry is doing because that's uh, that's the ETF basket of the stocks. I mean, right now they're at you know, uh, I mean they're at their highs over the course of the year. If you look at a chart, they're at their highs over the course of the year. And they're doing fantastic as it stands. Now, is that just like an expectation of interest rate rate hikes? But uh, they're you know they're doing very well, and uh, you know I I don't know you know sometimes uh, the market already bakes these things in. Well, and somehow we have you know not to get off on a political tangent, although we can do that. Uh, the, the, when, a, when you know, Powell is going to talk in front of the Congress and whenever he talks, they, they somehow have confused uh, making the, their, their buddy the bankers, I guess that's a political comment, their buddy the bankers so wealthy and have so much money that they can't possibly go through it all, even in, even, even in a recession. I don't think that the rest of us, yeah, I don't think the rest of us Necessarily think that that's synonymous with a healthy banking system. Do you? I, I mean, I, I completely agree. No, I, I absolutely, uh, you know, agree. That's that's not what you want to see in the banking system. I, I mean, the idea that uh, we now have banks that are—I mean, we've had this for a while. This idea that you know, banks are too large to fail, but um, you you just look at the. Uh, you look at, I mean, let's just, I'm going to check out a chart of Goldman Sachs, but, uh, you know, they're trading not at their highs, but they're, you know, they had a great year. Uh, you know, the banks are doing fantastic in the midst of all the sort of uh, uncertainty out there. Uh, now, when you talk about the volatility of the banks, there is volatility out there, uh, but that could also be, you know, a lot of the banks have their earnings cycles coming up uh, very soon. Like in the next uh, week or two, we're going to see earnings come out of the banks, and I think that's going to uh, sort of be a deciding factor on you know which way which way we see these uh, these financials heading. But uh, 
you know, volatilities, uh, call it 38% right now in Goldman Sachs. If I look at XLF, uh, vo- overall volatility, uh, and I'm talking volatility ranks, so this is sort of where the volatility, if you look over the course of the past year, where does volatility sit right now? It's at like the 33rd percentile. So it's not super high, but it is elevated. Well, uh, who is, Mike, where is... I'll ask this question. I should I should know this, but I don't. Where exactly is the the risk here? When I say the risk, uh, you know, back in the seventies, when when people had problems, I mean, when uh, trucking companies went under, uh, when there was a real estate issue, I mean, Continental Bank, you know, had its issues and kind of went under. They were in the trucking companies. They were in a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't know that these guys are. I mean. You and I have talked about the China debt. We've talked about, uh, you know, right. the, the foreclosure of, you know, 175 West Jackson, maybe the first of who knows how many here in Chicago, and how these guys have a, you know, $280 million loan to somebody. I don't, I don't think these banks are into any of this stuff to the extent they were historically, to where you and I remember it. It's, it's all these other big, a lot of it's insurance companies, a lot of it is, Sure. Uh, but now, if insurance companies are into this stuff and they're starting to take a hit, and the guy I was talking about last week, the guy, the one article I read, and uh, and Carl's been talking about the the death counts, the, the you know your life insurance places. Some age groups are forty percent over normal. Is is there a problem there? I mean, there, you and I look around, and I, and I know you have the same kind of. Uh, field of vision that I do in the sense that here's the problems. The question is, who's got the problem? And where, where exactly is the ever, ever grand loan out of the U.S.? Right. I, I mean, I haven't been able to find it, and I, that's one of the reasons why, boy, I've really missed you on the air. Uh, wh- where is all this stuff? I mean, who's on the hook for the $280 million for, for this, you know, building over there? They're not going to lose all 280, but I mean, where is it? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think that's always the thing that catches us by surprise is uh, where this uh, where this risk actually sort of ends up. I mean, in 2008, uh, you, you know, no one really saw that coming. No one saw the uh, the amount of risk out there. Uh, and it, it was uh, it, it, it really blindsided the market. I think a lot of times where the risk ends up is... Uh, is sort of an unknown until like that piece of the puzzle or that domino falls. Um, I mean, is it with the reinsurance companies? It, you know, we would you would think it'd be somewhere uh, with these insurance companies, but uh, I couldn't tell you exactly where because you know you, you got to look at what the market's telling us, and it doesn't seem to be placing that risk too strongly. Definitely not in the banking sector. No, it's not at all. I don't. I don't know that it's there. I, I, I think those guys are so fat and happy having people paying for checking accounts. Now, you don't in Chicago because there's still a lot of competition, but I think there's parts of the country where if you don't have 15 grand in your account or five, you're paying $10 a month. So right, you, yeah. You know, so, I mean, so, I mean, and there's no interest. And, and, and if, but God help you if you got a credit card there. They're giving you nothing on the five grand you got in the bank, and if you got three grand in the credit card, they're charging you 20 or 24. I mean, it, that's great business if you can get it. You scalp somebody on their own money, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. you, I mean, you couldn't write a book with fiction like that. Nobody'd buy it. They wouldn't believe it. Uh, but I mean, somehow, somewhere, th- this is all. I mean, how does this Evergrande and this other place essentially go under in China? 
and, and it's not even near as much problem as, as it was a year ago when people thought they might have a problem. I mean, it, it, there's this, but yet it, it is someplace. It's got to be. I mean, all this, I mean, who's, who's it's gotta out there? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, we always, uh, you know, you, you would think Evergrande there might be some type of contagion, uh, where you, you start seeing a bank fall in China, uh, that's going to spread around, but, you know, we just didn't see that, um, and we, we haven't seen that risk really, uh, inflate. Now, it, that doesn't mean the risk isn't out there. There's still definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely there. It's just, uh, you know, I think the question is, where is it? And, uh, I can tell you, you know, from what I can tell, the market isn't placing much risk on, uh, uh, isn't much, placing much risk. I mean, we're, we're trading around the same volatility that we saw all last year. Uh, 20 is by no means inflated. It's, uh, it's kind of right there, you know, uh, sort of as an even keel right now. Well, you think the, the Fed, uh, I mean, the one reason why you do what they're doing is essentially degrading your currency is because the debts now are worth less than before. Do you think that's, I gotta hate to even say this, is that, is that helping the situation? That the, you know, that the, the, the 30 billion dollars somebody, uh, ever, ever grant is gonna welch in is essentially now only worth 20. Hey, you know, you, you say, does it help the situation? You gotta look, kind of a little long-term, I mean, I want to say no. Like, I think it aggravates the situation. And, uh, you know, I think think this year is going to be a really deciding year as far as what's been going on the past few years. I mean, we've seen an unbelievable amount of, uh, you know, money thrown into the system. We haven't seen the typical reactions on... you know, I think we've all, we, that's your confused a lot of us because we just haven't seen, uh, the type of typical, uh, typical movements that we would expect and the typical amount of volatility. Uh, I think this year with, uh, the expectation of rate hikes, uh, we're going to see, you know, maybe a lot more volatility in this market. I think it'll be a real interesting year to trade, actually. Well, I, I, I do too. I, when, uh, I get, I, as you know, that, uh, you know, my, my view is always, uh, either, put it this way, clarify or clouded. I can't tell which is which, uh, is clouded by, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think it's the, the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> How's that for lobbing yeah. a word, lobbing a word out? The Kool-Aid that people are, 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 are continuing to drink on pretty much a national level, in one man's opinion. Is that the Fed is in control, they will maintain control, and if they fall behind the curve, they can catch up, and by the way, they'll always be in control. Did I say they're gonna be in control? I mean they're always in control. Right. And I come right. from an, I come from an era where they clearly were out of control. And once they get behind, the, the market, uh, has been sitting there with a 10 year rate that's way less than anybody you or I would ever invest in. And it's essentially a massively negative interest rate. I mean, it, the right. way, it's, it's gotta be, I mean, right now, the last three months, if you average them, we're talking 10%. If you take year over year, we're talking seven. So, so pick your, this is CPI numbers, if you believe those to start with. So let's put it this way. It, and the best case, it's seven. If you look at the, the last three cases, which is the most current is where you're at, it's 10. 
And if you think they're cheating at all, it's more than that. So when you got a, a, a 10-year rate of 1.7, which we just got to, do the math, that's 8.3% negative, right? So it's not any investment right. you or I or anybody with a brain cell working is going to do, unless your insurance company has to or another government agency that has to. So so here you are, all right? And uh, now the question is, how do you get from, from point A to point B in a controlled fashion, or are people going to panic and say, I guess we can wait for the Fed to start raising rates, or I'm just not going to buy these 10 years until they're paying like seven, you know, or something like that, in which case right. they, they go rocking it up on their own. Because I still think at the end of the day, the market's bigger than the Fed, even though their willingness to go to almost $9 trillion in the balance sheet, they've been bigger than the market for a while. I don't think they can be indefinitely. I mean, I'm still, I'm still in that camp, Mike, even though, you're going to say, Chief, you've been in that camp for five years. Get out of there. You know, you might say that. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe be right about it, but I still think the market at the end of the day is bigger than the Fed. No, I do too. And, you know, I think the Fed definitely has their hands in this market right now. They've been able to, uh, they've been able to, I'm not going to say play the market, but they've definitely inflated this market for, uh, years now, and I mean, you've been in that camp for five years because I mean, I've been they've been doing this for five years. You know, yeah. they've been doing it longer than that. But uh, you know, they've really, they've really stepped on the gas. Um, and I do, I I'm actually in your camp, Chief. I believe the market is bigger than the Fed, and, and the market ultimately will decide. You know, as much as the Fed uh, tries to play the market, you know, they only have so many tools in their toolbox, and they've used pretty much all of them at this point so um you know if, if, if any uncertainty hits and you know if that uh if that one domino falls i think you know i think we're in a really precarious position and that's i think where we sit right now in january even though volatility doesn't seem to be uh telling the same story so if, if two people are in a camp would you call it a camp certainly not a campground but just be with a would it be if two people in a camp make it a camp? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if we're the two, only two of us, I think, that believe that. Uh, God. <laughs> but uh, I mean, but you don't you don't want it to go. You you don't want them to lose control because if they do, no. it's kind of a chaos. Because I saw that before. I mean, it, anyway. But uh, do you think? Uh, I mean, right now, I'm going to say that if you if you think the market's going to keep going down. I don't know that buying the VIX right now, I mean, I guess you could buy it thinking it might go to 25, but I don't know that you buy the 40 calls. Do you? It doesn't look to me like it's going to 60, do you? You know, like, it's hard to say. You know, we know how fast volatility can expand, but, um, you know, you look at the movement over the past, uh, you know, week or so, like we haven't seen, we've seen the market down every day, which you'd expect to see volatility, you know, really step up, especially today. I mean, uh, coming off of the weekend, uh, I would have expected to see, uh, more, more volatility based on just the move down today, but we're, you know, we're, we're just not seeing it right now. So, uh, you know, maybe the market's kind of, uh, just expecting, uh, you know, a, a light down move before we start moving back up, but we'll see. One prediction out of you, please. Uh, TLT, it's down from like 150 to 141, and this is like the uh, uh, ETF for essentially long-term bonds. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it lands yeah. at the end of the year? Where do you got it? It's 142 now. That, that's a tough one. I've been wrong on TLT, uh, you know, for 
a while now. But I, I'm going to call it higher than uh, I'm. I'm, in, I'm. I'm long TLT. Okay. All right, bud. Well, next time we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. Thank you very much. Glad you're feeling better. Glad you're back right. on. Uh, let's have a good year, buddy. SP Futures down 33. SP Futures down 202. Hey, guys. What's up, G? Want to go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? Oh, it's a little early. I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.